pre-sermon thought today is, what is the function of a church steeple? Steeples are certainly an interesting architectural feature, and one that we see represented around us daily in architecture. But we rarely stop and ask where church steeples come from. What do they represent? What is the function of a steeple? American church architecture originated from European influence as the early American settlers brought with them what they had seen in Europe, which established their ideas of proper church design. These ideas came from the great churches in England and other areas in Europe that to them were correct church architecture. Certainly their churches in their new home should not be lacking in grandness or detail. The early church believed that the church could communicate the truth of the Bible in pictures and symbols to those who were illiterate, such as using the picture in the stained glass to tell the stories, as well as the steeple, which helped by pointing upwards devotedly to heaven. Therefore, the steeple has a dual role in that it helps the congregant in his or her spiritual mindset And the steeple also helps the architect with a design feature that enhances the overall harmony of the architecture. Certain questions come to mind in studying church architecture, such as why most steeples are white. In the early colonial days, metal was extremely hard to obtain and expensive. Therefore, most steeples were made of wood, and anything made of wood was immediately whitewashed. This is where we get the traditional white steeples seen atop of the majority of churches. Steeples traditionally were topped with a cross, a weather vane, or a decorative finial. Is that it? Finial. This usually served the aesthetic aspect, the spiritual aspect, and as a weather directional. But from a functional aspect, these also served as lightning terminals attached to lightning cables to properly direct a lightning strike safely to the ground below. These were usually painted black or white or given a gold leaf finish. After looking at the architectural aspects of the church steeple, we cannot fail to consider the spiritual function. We were admonished by Christ who said in John 12.32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. While signifying what death he would die, The scripture also challenges us to lift the cross of Christ up to the world. When we see a steeple and cross atop a church, pointing gracefully towards heaven, the church is also lifting Christ up so that all men might be drawn to him and his promise. The church steeple is an important architectural design feature for the church building proper, but it is also a visual testimony to all those who walk within its shadow. The next time you pass by our church steeple or any other church steeple, think about the history and the meaning of the steeple. God bless you, God bless our church, and God bless our steeple. Why don't we pray? Father God, we are grateful today to you for all the wonderful blessings you've poured out upon us. Lord, we think about this steeple and the way that it came to us is just truly a blessing from you. And we thank you for it today, Lord. May it glorify you. May it honor you. And as we look at it, may our hearts be reminded of what Christ has done for us and that it is our responsibility to share that with the world. Jesus, I pray today that you would just anoint Pastor Todd. May he um, 
just be blessed this morning and share from your word, Lord, what you would have us hear. Lord, we, we dedicate this day to you, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just have your way in each one of us. And Lord, we just uh, we truly want to worship you and glorify you in every aspect of our lives. And so today we lift up this service to you and ask for your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Interesting information, isn't it? We don't realize often how when we, when we pass a church, I always see the steeple. But just think about its significance, that it points us towards heaven. It directs us upward instead of inward. What a pondering thought. Do you remember the finger play? Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door and see all the people. You know, we all knew that when we were kids, right? I don't know if I did it right, wrong, or indifferent, but I, I got it. And so I was excited because I knew that when we'd have steeple dedication service, I just had to do that up here in front of all of you. That's why I figured I'd do it. In years gone by, this finger play was a tool that teachers used to teach children the importance of attending church. I certainly believe that it holds value for this reason. But as I have matured, I think the finger play is a bit simplistic. I'm not so sure it quite hits the mark. And why am I saying that this morning? Because I think it gives the wrong impression of what the church truly is. So how do we define the church? You know, as I pondered on the thought, do I preach on a steeple? Well, there's nothing in the Bible on a steeple. But we know that it's under, uh, it's on top and the church is under it. So we can talk about its members and all the people. And so I figured we could talk about the significance of the church and not bore you to tears because we have a beautiful video that we're about to show you of just, you know, the, the whole steps that it took to get it on this building and what it meant. But, so how do we define the church? Is the church the building and the structure? Does the church consist of walls and pews, pulpits, or even communion tables? Is that the church? Is the church God's house? Do we treat the building with reverent awe because God lives here? Is church the music? You see, some people say, my church is contemporary. We have a band and we sing praise choruses. I've heard people say, and my church is traditional. You know why? Because we sing with an organ and all hymns. Is the church the traditions we remember? Is it the ministries and programs we offer? Is it the people? So what is the church? How we answer this question will determine the core of what or who we are. How we answer this question will determine how we use our resources, our time, and our money. It will determine what activities we offer and our involvement in these activities. It will be seen in the things we cherish and the things that we can live without. And how we answer this question will affect those standing on the outside and how they will view those who are sitting on the inside. Outsiders and insiders. Sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Our church is not immune to it, and I believe that there are some people here in this sanctuary right now who feel like 
you are camped right in the middle of the gap. You don't know where you belong. It may even be that some have been burdened by past church experiences, like touching a hot stove. You're reluctant to touch it again. You haven't decided if the church is right for you. You haven't decided if this church is right for you. You want to know, what is this church all about anyways? Turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 28. And as you're turning there, I'm going to talk about the body of Christ, but can I just ask, how many of you, you know, most of you might come up this direction on Cuyahoga Falls Avenue, make a right, come down Juniper, you know, come over here to Riverside Drive, but how many, with a uh, show of hands, have come up down Riverside Drive just to see the steeple? Isn't it? It's a great visual. You've got to see it. It's just, it's magnificent. And I know for me that it has been a long time prayer as I visualize this church from the 19. 40s or 60s architectural stone with the birds, you know, making their tabernacle in every little hole out there and having bird dung all over the sidewalk. That's the King James Version for poop. Just thought I'd tell you. So uh, as we walk through it, but yet to see crosses put on the building and to have fence put up. But yet, I said this the day that it was being put up, that truly, to have a steeple on a church really brings together the whole picture of the cake as we place that candle on top of it. And as you light that, there's a light and there's, be- there's beauty to it. And so as I stood out there and my wife and I and many others stood just in awe as we saw it being completed. It really moved all of us. And it moved me. And it wasn't so much the steeple as it was the people. I'm going to keep saying that. I kind of like that. It so much wasn't the steeple as much as it was the people. There were people that were here. There was excitement. At first I got a little nervous because all the kids were running up and down up here. They were having a blast like, Woo, we've never been up here before. And I'm thinking, and this is the last time I'm coming up here. Pastor Chris, I don't like heights, and I don't journey top of that roof very often. It's flat up there. But it was a great experience as we, as we saw it. Let's read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to start in verse 12 as it talks about the body and its many members. It says this, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but it's many. Aren't you glad that the church is made up of a bunch of different people? We come from all walks of life. I'm so thankful for what God has brought to this church. I could have not put together this platform. I might be able to draw, but I'm not an artist. But to see what God has done through Daniel and Sarah and just their involvement in our vacation Bible school and each and every one of you, Leslie Youngs who writes the curriculum and and continues to love our children and be a part and invest into their life from mowing the lawn 
from, from doing anything from, from snow plowing. We all have to be in one accord doing one thing. Winning souls and making a difference for Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility. But we need to do that, as it says, in one. One body, one member, but being many. Verse 15. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath, what? Pleased him. I want you to circle that in your Bible. And if you haven't done it before, I want you to circle it because I really do believe that you're not here by accident. You have a purpose and there's a reason why you're here. But it says right there to do what? To please Him. So you have a responsibility. We've come today to do what? To please Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Where would the body be? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble or seem to be more weak, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts or our unpresentable parts have more abundant Comeliness or modesty. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body. You're going to like that. The word schism actually means division. That there should be no schism. I need to use that sometime just for fun. I think I need to make a message. Stop being a schism. Or stop causing schisms around here. I don't know, I like it but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. I love this verse, verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. God hath set some in the church, first apostles, second, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gifts of the healings, helps governments, diversity of tongues. You know, when I look at this, the church in the New Testament is called the body of Christ and it reflects the spiritual organism of the whole church on earth. When the local church is called the body of Christ, the spiritual aspect is emphasized. Let me show you. As the church is considered to be the body, so individual members are seen as parts of the body. For any church to function properly, every member must do his or her part in harmonious spirit of cooperation with the other members. Had the church at Corinth learned this great lesson, many of their problems would have been solved. And I say that to say this. We cannot move forward in this church unless we make beautiful music. Diana, that was a beautiful song. What a great message behind it. Thank you. You blessed my heart today. But I understand for a lady who teaches music, she understands the theory of music. And she hears in her head the harmony. And it's hard for her not to be able to say, okay, I know I'm up here to present a message, but it's also difficult because I hear the harmony within the song. And especially if she's sung it before. 
Now, you came into church this morning, and there's many members here, and we're all part of one body, but we all have an intricate part. From those that were passing out the bulletins, to our greeters, to those that greet inside the sanctuary, to our donut ministry, to those that teach, to those that were helping on the hospitality committee, all of you have a role. We can't make beautiful music unless you're all doing your part. We can't move the church forward unless we as a body of Christ coming together, doing it in accordance one with another. There is no way that this steeple would have ever been able to be put up without one, you needed a supervisor. You needed somebody to plan it out and say this is what was going to happen. Ronica Sr. was that man who encouraged and who said, this is what we're going to do. He called some men, he texted them and said, hey, come, we let everybody know this is the day we're putting it up. If you want to come, you can be uh, one that watches it or you can be a part of it. So there were many people and many many components to, to getting the steeple on the building. How many of you have ever seen a steeple put up? I know, it, it was actually history. Now you've seen it here, right? But I know in my life, I've never seen a steeple put on a church. And I never really understood what its significance was. But I do realize as I stood back and I watched, that I watched the body of Christ coming together. You know, I didn't have the guys up there going, Hey, Ron, you're out of your ever-loving mind. Let it swing this direction, not that direction. Hey, Dave, run that direction, not this direction. Don't pull on it. Let go of it. So it hits Rodney and Ron and the rest of them fall off the roof. They didn't do that. You know what they did? They all worked together. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's the game plan. And here's how we're going to move forward. That's what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. He said, listen, we cannot do things separately. We must do them together. Well, what about if I like it this way? Well, God didn't make you the pastor. That's just what I'm telling you. I didn't walk out there and tell Ron Sr., excuse me, Ron, I just want to let you know that's not how you tie it on there. Because if I would have tied it, it would have fell off and crashed and it would have been all over. I don't know what I'm doing out there. I wasn't made the supervisor. But it takes a group of people coming together to do that great job. That's your responsibility as the church. To win souls for Jesus Christ, to make a difference, and to make an impact. Not just within the walls, but amongst our community at large. Ministering outside the walls of the church. We must work together. When Christians disrupt the harmony of a church, they bring reproach on the body of Christ. I love what Matthew sixteen eighteen says. And it says this, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The word church actually means, in the Greek, ecclesia, which meaning a chosen or called out assembly. And I love what it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're on the offense, Satan is on the defense. He's coming after us. He is ready to seek, kill, and destroy. He is like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. He did not want this day to take place. He doesn't want this church to move forward. 
He doesn't want another soul saved or another life baptized. He doesn't want the Spirit of God to be rich in this, in this building. You know what He wants to do? He wants to make you disgruntled and everybody in the building disgruntled so none of us do anything for the cause of Christ. And He can sit back and go, You are a joke! So here we are today coming together as a body. Coming together to really move forward the kingdom. I mean, that, that excites me. I get, you know, I, some of you probably know this. I pull in and I park. Either I park over there if it's really hot out, I park in the shade during the week, or I park over here. And on Sundays we park way out there. But most of the time you'll even see me, I back up I, and I go around the building. Because I remember a skinny 170-pound guy getting on his face before God and God picking me up off that floor. And saying, do the work. Do you think this is an easy job? Because it's not. It's a calling. And I just can't turn in my two-week notice. I'm doing it because I love it. And when I round this building, I want you to know as your pastor, I love this church and I love you. And it means so much to me that God is fulfilling His work because it's not because of me nor my wife. It's not because of the special somebody that sits right over here or sings in the praise team. It takes all of us to do that work. And so I give you a standing ovation for what you've done to keep the ministry moving forward. That's our responsibility. That's our job. Here's the application to Matthew 16, 18. It says, The rock on which Jesus would build His church has been identified as this. One Jesus Himself. Why? His work of salvation by dying for us on that cross. Two, it was Peter, the first great leader in the church of Jerusalem. Meaning stone or rock. You see there, number three, the confession of faith that Peter gave and that all true believers would give. It seems most likely that the rock refers to Peter as the leader for his function, not necessarily for his character. Just as Peter had revealed the true identity of Christ, so Jesus revealed Peter's identity and his role. I've got to tell you, I love what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. It actually refers to Peter, and Peter reminds Christians that they are the church built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-6, through 6, that you are chosen of God. And I love this word. Even though it's in the King James Version, I just want to say it. You are precious. You're precious. I have to say it like that. Because when I read it, that's what I heard. You're chosen of God. And you're precious in His sight. It's awesome. I get excited when I think of the, of the Word and I think of Christ being more than anything the cornerstone. We can't build a church without Jesus Christ. And we can't build upon a foundation if it's not firm. And folks, this is what's going to stay alive in this church. Because if you start taking it out, I'm leaving. I'm gone. We've got to continue the Word. And I'm not talking just here. I'm talking in your daily walk, in your daily devotion. The Gentiles were losing their sight. And Paul was saying, come on now, guys, get it together. You're a bunch of nut jobs. You're not working together. Come together. Be together. Let's celebrate together. 
That's what today's about. A great celebration. I want you to turn, if you would, please, to Ephesians chapter 2. shows here that all believers are joined into this church. We're going to be reading verse 18 through 22. By faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The same faith that Peter expressed here. Now, I want to, I want to read this to you because I, I love what this has to say. Verse 18, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, or so then, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also builded together, or, you know, I say, being built together for a habitation, for a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. Are you thankful you have a sanctuary with comfortable seats and wonderful air conditioning? Amen? It's a wonderful dwelling place of God. So we come together today to realize that we can't do this alone that it takes all of us working together. You see, Jesus praised Peter for his confession of faith. It is faith like Peter's that is the foundation of Christ's kingdom. So let me wrap this up by saying this. A church building is sometimes called God's house. In reality, God's household is not a building, but a group of people. He lives in us and shows himself to to a watching world through us. What I'm saying is, He lives in us and He shows to those around us as we received that card from a lady around on Riverside Drive that said, thank you for making a difference. We are a community of believers that must convince those across the street that we live what we say. So we must continue to make sure that we mirror the image of God. People can see that God is love and that Christ is Lord as we live in harmony with each other and in accordance with what God says in His Word. We are citizens of God's kingdom and members of His household. So this morning I quote for you one of my life verses. And I really believe that I said it, I believe it was the first service we ever had in this building. And so I quote it today and I use it today to dedicate the steeple to God as a lighthouse to a dark world that needs Jesus Christ. And with an amen, would you also say to me that this world is getting darker? And that we as Christians need to let people know Jesus Christ lives in us. I told the men this morning, I said, all of you have a reference of influence all the way around you. You all do. I don't care if it's through Facebook, through your peers, through work, through church, through family. Bring them to church. Today they could have eaten for free. Isn't that exciting? I mean, it's a free meal. Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten to invite people? Have we forgotten? Or do we just come and go, I'm just going to be the scorekeeper. And if things don't go my way, I'm going to let him have it. Well, you know what the Scripture just said? You're not working as one. You're working as many members. And let me tell you something. I really, 
I don't want a bunch of wild animals running around. What we need is we need harmony and love for one another. The scripture verse says, Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify, listen to me, to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do people see your light? Are you burnt out? New Hope Akron, Matthew 5, verse 14 says this, You are a light of the world, a city that is set on a hill, cannot be hid. Be a light, not just in this sanctuary, but to the community at large. Let us pray. Father, we come to You this morning grateful for Your Word. Father, we can expound on the church. We can talk about its history. But Lord, this morning, I just want to say a grateful thank You for providing a $14,000 steeple for free. Lord, it's not by my hands or my wisdom, nor, Father, is it by the intellect of many around us, but it is by the fulfilling power of the Holy Spirit that, Lord, empowers us and puts us in places so that Your work can be done and Your will fulfilled. Father God, this morning, may we not lose sight. May we be the light to this world. May we be a city. May we be a church. May we be a community that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. And Father, today we dedicate the steeple in honor of You with a grateful heart and a thankful heart. For Father... We acknowledge and we thank you for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Watch closely. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah and Ron Jr. for the pictures and the video. I was blessed by those. Um, here's a story that I found I would like to read to you. My family and I recently visited... Leadville, Leadville, Colorado, which is a small town about two hours southwest of Denver. This is an old town dating back to the 1800s. As we drove around, one of the things I noticed were two steeples on two separate churches. One of the really tall steeples sat atop one of the really, really old churches. History states the church began construction in 1879. Pretty fascinating. I'm not sure why I was drawn to these old churches with the old steeples, but I was. I began thinking to myself, wow, 1879, that's such a long time ago. Then I wondered what life must have been like way, way back then. My eyes surveyed the church up and down, left and right, trying to grasp the idea that it had been built in the 19th century. As I tried to comprehend it all, my gaze was frequently drawn back upward to the top of the steeple. Why? 
what's the purpose of these steeple things anyways? As best I can figure by glancing through a few articles, steeples were put atop churches to point people heavenward. Some steeples even have bells constructed inside them, which, when sounded, call people to worship. Truthfully, I can't remember entering or passing by a town that didn't have at least one church with a steeple. Think about it. What's the first thing that stands out as you drive through or near a city? Yeah, it's where your eyes are drawn, upward. Above the busyness, hustle and bustle of the town to the very tops of the steeples. Let's consider for a moment the possibility that we are steeple people. When others look at us, does our countenance, attitude, personality, demeanor, action or reaction point them heavenward? Is there anything about us that would call people to a sense of worship? You see, if you are a Christian, if you have said yes to Jesus, then his Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you. You are a child of the Most High God, and of all the things we would want people to know about us, this is the one we should want to shout from the mountaintops. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just like the steeple on the old church, I want people to be drawn to my steeple, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want people to look at me, then immediately look heavenward. I want people whom I come in contact with to have a sense of worship, because Christ in me is the hope of glory. So rise up, you steeple people. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven.